0: Uh, if you have a Bible, pick up a Bible and read with me, or electronic device, if it's in there. I have a, a blue letter Bible in my phone that I look at a lot of times, but Mark chapter four, the title today is going to be, How is Your Ground? And a question, you might think that may be a little bit of a a different kind of title, and whenever I looked at this lesson, I was putting it together and i had looked at it and i had entitled it first uh you know really what what is it that you need wants or needs and i, I think i was missing the mark of what i really needed to be looking at and when we read this well i think we'll see the mark today um, our goal is to make application in our lives by looking at this question of how is your ground you know when you think about ground you think about farming you think about ranching you think about your yard, you think about your garden, in that condition of that ground, and that condition of that ground means everything for you to yield the most in that particular area. You know, back home, we have uh, coastal Bermuda grass. A lot of people will cut hay for their cattle. And they'll do a soil test, and I'm sure Brandon can tell us all about that on doing soil tests to see what that ground needs to help yield the best thing that you can. And, in that coastal Bermuda grass, a lot of times they'll put so many pounds of fertilizer per acre on it and to give them a good uh, crop of hay. If you're growing tomatoes, it may be the same situation. You may need to go in, put maybe some uh, fertilizer of some type on it, to maybe straw, maybe some leaves, to build that soil and get the best condition of that ground for you to have. And so the question is today for us, and you'll see that when we read these scriptures, when we think about our heart and our Christian life, the things that's going on in our life, that condition of the heart and how we treat this life is very important. So how is your ground today? Not last year, six months ago, not ten years ago, but today. And that's what we're going to look at, and we'll see the parable of the sower, and we can read here and get the meaning of where we're going to head with this lesson. In chapter 4, Mark chapter 4, starting in the 14th verse, the sower soweth the word, and these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away their, the word that was sown in their hearts. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word immediately receive it with gladness, and have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a, for a time afterward when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake immediately they are offended, or in error. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word. And the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, riches and the lust of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. In verse 20 it says, And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word, and receive it, and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. I believe in other readings, when we, you look at this, verse 20, talking about good ground, talking about a, a, a good, honest heart, also in other readings there. And so we can see all these different conditions, can't we, of this parable of the sower. So when you think about the parable of the sower, when you're putting seed in the ground, if you're, if you're broadcasting it, or throwing it out there with a, a planter, or whatever, to get that seed in the ground, that condition of that soil is very important, isn't it? So we're looking today is how is your ground today? You think about all these different conditions. And the really the one condition here that I want to look at today that I think that we can take as a warning in our life is going to be in that verse 19 of how we need to really think and stop about our lives on this parable of the sower, which we just read, is fruitful or unfruitful? That's the question today. And you know, when you think about that, and this is where I believe I was missing the mark on really the meaning of this lesson. We can look at these conditions of this soil, can't we? But God wants us in our Christian life to be fruitful, not unfruitful. And so if we have a condition of the soil that's not right and our heart's not right, we are not going to be fruitful. You know, when I was talking a moment ago, when when testing ground and we find out um, what we need in a ground is, as there's a, we have a client, give you an example from Louisiana, and they brought us some wonderful fruit. Lemons and oranges, they grew those in Louisiana with good humidity and got the heat and moisture. But he tests his ground every year and see what it needs for that, those fruit trees. A lot of times they'll lime it or whatever to have the best condition. I think about ourselves when we come together on the first day of the week and we test our hearts we see what that condition is, and we examine those hearts, I believe that we are at that time are able to see what's going on in our lives and make decisions if we're fruitful or unfruitful. This is not really hard. It's not science, brothers and sisters. There's not an in-between. It's fruitful or unfruitful. It's, well, I you know think that I'm fruitful, and, and, and I hope that we are. If there is, as what the, the parable reads here, we have these, 30 fold, sixty, a hundred, that's great. But do we have fruit? That's the question. Or do we not? And so when we look at this, we can go into a lot of the areas to see what has affected that. In that scripture that we just read, And others are the ones sown among thorns, those that who hear the word, but the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, desires for other things, enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. So that last part that we've looked at proves unfruitful is because of these conditions that's going on. I've got them underlined. Cares the world, deceitfulness of riches, desires of other things, choke. You know, when we think about thorns, I think about I mean, I think about weeds. I, at home, I was trying to grow a garden. as Johnson grass a lot of times, a shade, and put a canopy over the vegetables and wouldn't grow. A lot of times I had a granddaughter that would come out at that time, Madison can't remember, four or five years old maybe, was going out to the tomato plants in the garden and pulling the tomatoes and eating them. I I thought I was not able to grow tomatoes. She was cobbing my tomatoes. (laughs) That yield was not there. What is it that we need to look at to be watchful that would help give us yield? And that's the cares of this world. Don't let these things choke out. Thorns, briars, weeds are hard to kill. And these things in our lives... Are hard to kill also. Be watchful for the t- three chokeholds. I call them the three Ds. It enters in, and it chokes the word. When you think about distraction of the world, delusion of riches, desires for other things, it's, it's there. It's, it's, sometimes it gets in our lives. When we're growing these fields, and this, we have this ground, sometimes that condition may be right. Maybe times it's fruitful, maybe times it is not. But I know that these things affect it just like thorns and weeds does in a garden. And it gets in our lives and it chokes. Chokehold one, distractions of the world. You know, when you look at these, you sometimes think, now how can you list that? I mean, your loving family, really? Your work career, we're blessed. Yes, we are blessed with all of this. Possessions of your home. And I'm not here to say that we need to sell everything, that we need to go live in a cave and we need to not do anything but just concentrate on the Lord and just be in that cave. I'm not saying that. But I am saying that families, as wonderful as they are and as blessed as they are, and they truly are, we can take it and make it an advantage for us and build that, or it can sometimes be a distraction. Husband and wife and family, work, career, and possessions and a home. When I think about possessions, I'm thinking about the covening of those possessions. The things that go on in a busy life of a husband and wife and maybe working too much. And I think that's where I have really struggled in this particular lesson and in my life is to find that balance, not needing too little and not needing too much. Or rather wanting too much a lot of times. So where are we to be in this life? Distractions of husband and wife. We just looked at that. Just a moment ago, the three things. The first thing is husband and wife. Let's read this, 1 Corinthians 7, 32 through 35. <clears throat> but I would have you without carefulness. He that is unmarried careth for the things that belongs to the Lord, how he please the Lord. But he that is married careth for the things that are of the world, how he may please his wife. There's a difference also between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman careth for the things of the world. Oh, excuse me. Things of the Lord, that she may be holy, both in body and in spirit. But she that is married careth for the things of the world, how she may please her husband. And this I speak for your own profit, not that I may cast a snare upon you, but for that which is comely, and that ye may attend upon the Lord without distraction. You know when you read this, the blessing of a husband and wife—it's a wonderful thing, right? But here is talking about as a distraction. So, as a distraction of a husband and wife. Why don't we just remove that? How about we attend to the things in the work of the Lord? How about husband and wife team together, double team, a two-cord rope and be stronger and fight in our lives to not have distractions but to focus? Make it positive. Flip that quarter and put it on the other side. Don't make it distractions in your life. Wives are a beautiful blessing. Husbands are a beautiful blessing. Your children are a beautiful blessing. But we cannot get into that where the family is a distraction to us that chokes the word. And I'm not going to get in here and list what's going on in your life and judge you on that. You know, as well as I know, when we come here and we examine ourselves, that we can judge ourselves. But in your mind, you know exactly, husband and wives, what is distraction and what is not. We may attend upon the Lord without distraction. Distractions of your work and career. Here's where I really struggle is to see in my life how how much is enough and how much is not, I guess. Ephesians 4, 28. Let him that stole, steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. Working a job is wonderful. Having a career is wonderful. It's a blessing. Right now, there's been lots of folks. I think things going on that's been laid off, some things that have gone on that makes it hard on some people right now. So when those jobs are gone... We feel the pain of it. I've had, I think, in my lifetime, until there was a certain time, Bonnie, and i married about 10 years, and I have told you this in the past. I'll tell you again. Probably seven or eight jobs. Bonnie says 10. But there was a lot of layoffs in there in the, we was married in 84. So in 90, in that time frame, 1994, there was, there was some hard times. I mean, it was tight. I know a job is a blessing. Things got better later on. We were able to, to make some things, I say we, Lord blessed us with some things that worked in our lives and it was easier. But I'm going to tell you something that in Matthew 16:26, on the other hand of this all, for what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world, lose his own soul, or what shall a man give in exchange of his soul? How much, when you think about distractions of work and career, how much is enough? And really, Just too little. So you got to, to me, find that point where, as the Bible, I believe in Proverbs, it talks about you don't want to be so poor that you want to steal so you can get by, but you don't want to be so rich either that you forget the Lord. So there's a place that we need to be as Christians, and and it's the distractions of work and career that can get in your way. We need to be watchful and careful. Distractions of possessions in your home. Luke 12, 15, and he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. Possessions is one of those hard things that we can covet that just, it's, it's why we work so much. It's because we want some more of those possessions, isn't it? It just is like a cycle. You know, I bought a rock for 60 bucks. Do I really need to pay 60 bucks for rock? I like rocks. That money probably could be spent a little bit better somewhere else. I know it could have been. And But we find out in our lives, we collect these things, we have these possessions, and so many of the times, we just got to have it. And so it's the covetousness that comes out in us. And brethren, I am here being preached to myself. So there's things that we have to work on as far as distractions that choke the word. Choke, hold two, delusion of riches. Proverbs 23 and 5, without set thine eyes upon that which is not. For riches certainly make themselves wings that fly away as an eagle towards heaven. You know, we have seen people who have become very wealthy and then all of a sudden they have or not. And that's what these scriptures are saying. In our lifetime, we may think that we have riches. But all we're doing is taking what's been put here by the Lord a long time ago, an accumulation of gold and assets and money and whatever we have, and we just are able to borrow it for a while and use it. It's all his, but the delusion is, is that it's mine, and we put the trust in it, and the delusions, we get so set into that, that we covet, that we want to possess, that we want to hang on to, and it starts choking. You know, when you think about a chokehold, it's 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 not killing. You know, you watch MMA fighters. That's, there's some people here I know do. They'll, if they are so good at manipulating and getting a hold and putting a choke on them, I'm not going to kill them. They're trying to make them tap out. They're done. And I think when we are living our life in this world that we get so possessed into these things and these chokeholds that we tap out on what we're supposed to be doing. And that's when God is saying, you're trusting these other things. You need to be trusting in me. Chokehold 2, Delusion of Riches. 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 8. But guiding us with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing in this world and it's certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. Is it really what we need to be content with? I can't have my $60 rock, <laughs> food, clothing. I'd like to have the shower thrown in there. I think the showers are, are great. The comforts, the comfort of, the way of bed. The possessions, that maybe let's go a little further. The clothes, okay, how about the car? Can we throw that in there? I like a really nice ride. Got the 2000 vibe out there. It's number, I think, first on the list on the 10 most, least, excuse me, least stolen cars. <laughs> but you can see what I'm talking about. We, we, we get on this cycle and we can just continue to want to have these things and we don't get content. I remember Bonnie and I, we went to uh, uh, Itza. it's a place in uh, ruins in Mexico, and going through it on a bus ride, is a real bumpy ride, and we're going and going and going through this jungle and going through some old towns, and they're in Mexico, and it was poverty. It was literally just poverty. It was just little huts and plywood buildings and, and kids that were all dirty and barefooted and, and hair stringy and out there playing, having a good old time and a smile on their face. And so when I observed, I looked, I said, they don't have anything, but look at the faces. They were just lit up. And then we have gone on vacation. We had the privilege of going to California this year. And California's got some neat things. They've got great strawberries. And they've got a lot of technology out there. They've got a lot of things. I mean, it's, it's different. But we went to, went to Santa Barbara. We went on a trip to actually Malibu, Malibu Canyon area. We stayed in a home daughter-in-law's friend, we couldn't have uh, done it ourselves. Donald's friend did okay in technology business. Sold a technology company. Bought that home that we were staying in. And the median home in that area is about four million. His was around six or seven. He made about $2 a year. At the time he was at Amsterdam. But when I was running about out there, Bonnie and I the different people that we were looking to at and visiting with. They had no smile on their face. They were bitter a lot of times. They were arrogant. They were no happier than anybody. That, I mean, they were, they were not happy because of the things that they had. Went to Santa Barbara from there, and it was unbelievable. The homes, the things, the settings, the gardens, the money, old money. No more happier. So we just learned some things by seeing that. Choke hold two, the delusion of riches. Don't let it put a snare on you. You know, so chokehold three, desires of other things. I think the desires of other things comes because of the riches. Gives you power, you can be able to buy those things with those monies that you can have. Luke twelve, sixteen and twenty-one. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, Ah, this will I do. I will pull down my barns, build greater, and there will will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. I like this scripture because here in a moment, like I mentioned a while ago, we're looking at two sides of this coin, right? This lifestyle right here on one side of the coin can just, we can flip it and we can turn that around and don't want all the possessions. Don't want all these things. That this guy's, I've just got to knock my barns down to build bigger because it's not holding it. And so we find out here he was not rich towards God. So if we flip that and look at the other side of the coin, it is doing the things that God would want us to do, right? Giving that trust and that time and being able to build that relationship with the Lord that we're building that richness up to go to heaven. When we looked at all those delusions a minute, at those three Ds, do we think that God is, is, He's never been happy with that? He's never been happy with being unfruitful. So, if this man is doing all this, he's fruitful in the possessions that he's, he's done as, as, a, as a businessman, but he's not fruitful towards God. Timothy instructs the rich that godliness and satisfaction is, is great gain. I, we read this a moment ago, but I want to read it again after that scripture, but also I wanted to continue it on into verse 9. It's the reason we're going to read this again. Timothy here says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. We've got to remember that. For we brought nothing in this world, and it's certain we can carry nothing out, and having food and raiment, let us be there with content. Verse 9, but they that are rich fall into temptation and a snare, and in many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. Before we get into 10, I, I think this is where I really started figuring out. It's not that you have a million dollars in the bank or $10 million in the bank, or $20 in the bank. That's not it. When you look at this, in this verse 10, for the love of money is the root of all evil, while some covet after. You can even covet money. I like rocks. But paid <laughs> told you that story, I paid $60 for a rock. That's kind of goofy. But there's people that covet money. They covet $100 bills. They want money because they like the power and the things that it brings to them. So, This is where Timothy has been instructed, you go tell these folks that are rich that you're going to fall in temptations and snares and foolish, hurtful lust because of that. In verse 10, for the love of money is the root of all evil, while some coveted after that they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life. There's the other coin side that we were talking about. Whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. So we see that we should flee one thing and follow another. You know, when we love money and we covet after that, I think it gets into the next part of, it just kind of finally dawned on me, I try to put a definition on rich. Rich. Is it when you, when you finally hit your first $100,000 in your life? So the Bible speaks so much against the rich, I'm gonna, I need to back off of that. I'm going to stay below that $10 and make sure I never get to that. I kept trying to find that point in my life of, and we were speaking a moment ago, of, of having a job and working versus if we gain the whole world try to find myself right in there in the middle somewhere where I'll be, I'll be okay if I go on up and get to. so really if, if we think about this not put a dollar sign on it but let's read this and see where we get messed up when we have riches it's not dollars 1 Timothy 6, 17, 19 charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high minded nor trust in uncertain riches I think bingo right there We're trusting in it. That's that's when we find out that we've messed up. It's that delusion of the riches. It's that eagle that's flying away. It's not there no more. But living, but in the living God, the trust should be there, not in uncertain riches. Who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation, against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. So we can see, again, in life, the two flip sides, can't we? We can see this high-minded, don't trust in these riches, but trust in the living God. And this is what it, they're being charged with here, Timothy is. And then his instructions to him was to, to charge them to, to be rich in good works, to be ready to distribute, to give, willing to communicate. That's a giving Liberally. Laying up in store a good foundation. Think about this a minute. Against the time to come. When's that time coming? One day you're going to pass on. You're going to go in the grave. One day there's going to be a judgment day. One day you will be judged for the things that we do in this life. So we can lay hold on eternal life. Here's where it's, I believe we start seeing. Instead of the three D's that lays the chokeholds on us. We go towards this. Rich and good works ready to distribute and willing to communicate. So Timothy charged the rich of the world, do good, rich in works, ready to give. Verse 19, we read a moment ago, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. So how do we do that? How are we going to really think about, I don't want to be there. I don't want to have this attitude of possessions. I don't want to have this attitude of of the distractions. All these things that lay the chokeholds on us. Watch. Watch in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. Not to me only, but unto all them also that love is appearing. So we can see that we are going to fight this fight. I think it is a fight. I believe there's going to be a fight that says to you, it's okay to have these distractions. I mean, everybody's doing it. We're going to go do all this with our life. We're going to, we're going to get this much education. We're going to have this kind of house. We're going to have this kind of job. We're going to have all of these things. And we find out later that maybe, did I do all that right? Did I do the things that I needed to do for the Lord between all that? So what's the condition of the ground that we're in right now? Yeah, I think we maintain good works. I think we continue that throughout, that we be watchful to do that. This is a faithful saying, and these things will I, uh, I will that they affirm constantly, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. So we can just continue to do the things that we know that's right. You know, when we, if we study with some folks sometimes, they're, they're, they're going to throw that at us a lot of times of, well, you know, you, you guys, you do these works and you think it's going to get you in heaven. And, and you know, that's not right. You no, know, we do the works because God asks us to do the works. It's, it's, it's a command there. He says, do this. Be compassionate. Be kind. Be be the kind of Christians that he has laid out for us to be in and maintain those things, because this is the fruit that he wants. He wants the Christian the ground not to be unfruitful, but fruitful. So today, how is your ground? Is it faith? Uh, excuse me, fruitful or unfruitful? We read this earlier. We'll read it again. In conclusion, we've got a few more scriptures. Mark four twenty. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it, and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, some a hundred. Unfruitful side over there, side we do not want to be on. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful not a place that we want to be. Let's be fruitful. 2 Peter 1, 5 and 11. This verse we'll be concluding in. It says here, and besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness uh, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity, love, for if these things be in you and abound and make you, and they make you, that you shall ne- neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's, he tells us how to do it. It's in the Bible. I don't think it's sometimes, I mean, we may be born in this world, maybe a, a good moral person. But when the Bible, if we go to the Bible and we read and learn of how we're supposed to be, to, to be fruitful. And we just got a list of the things that God has instructed us in, haven't we? But yet, many times we got the other side of that coin, don't we, that wants to attack those other things, that part we just read that that chokes it. But if we add these things right here, if we add that, it teaches us that we're not going to be barren, that we're going to bear fruit. Continue on. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather brethren give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall, for so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The other side of the coin. We don't have to follow the riches. Those riches, the delusions, to the point that it removes us from being fruitful. The other side of the coin is that We can do this. We can add these things in our life. We can have exactly what the Lord expects of us. We can have exactly what He has given us, and that's going to be heaven. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you'd like to know more about this subject or any other Bible topic, send us a message at our Facebook page, The Church of Christ Wheeler Area.